Pickaxe. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are creeping up on 250 patrons, which means Xander and Sebastian are going cryptid hunting in the woods very, very soon. And yes, I too can't believe I let them talk me into going into the woods at night alone with Xander strapped with a camera. So hey, if that's something you'd like to see fully edited and in video format for your viewing pleasure, consider supporting your favorite D&D podcast over at patreon.com castparty. Listen to each new episode of Cast Party and Nocturne live with the cast, hang out with us in the Discord, get exclusive behind-the-scenes episodes, hilarious bonus monthly one-shots, and so much more. Patreon.com slash castparty. Thank you all so much for listening. Enjoy the episode, cast and crew. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Cast Party. My name is Colin McManus, and I will be your director for today. I'm joined by Anna. How are you? Ah, it's just me. I am frightened and alone. Yes, because we are doing things a bit different today. You and the other crew members are going to be split up. We're going to start with you and jump to them in a little bit. But we're going to keep both groups separate. So they're not going to hear what happens between us. And you're not going to hear what happens between them. <sighs> you get to start off the episode. But before we do that, we are going to do a quick recap. Last time, you faced Sarla and the Dark Angels inside Alana's mind, her drumming controlling Alana's every move as you braved the Fiery Island, attempting to free Alana from her mind-controlling grasp. The Angels were quick, attacked you with a variety of weapons as soon as you arrived into her mind. The heat of the battle was tense and only got hotter as Sarla forced Alana to cast a Meteor Swarm onto you all. Blueberry attempted to counterspell, but was unable to overcome the force of these meteors, being knocked unconscious when they finally hit the ground. Jet, able to dodge out of the way of the meteors, projected an aura of life, helping you all recover from the large hit and keeping you stable as the fight pressed on. While more and more attacks were exchanged between you and all these angels, Blueberry turned Alana into a giant tortoise so her magic could not be used against you all. Sebastian fell unconscious only to be brought up by the Aura of Life, and he was able to use a Disintegrate spell to destroy Sarla and stop the drumming echoing in Alana's mind. However, you are still surrounded by five Dark Angels. This is when Jet pulled out the White Rose, impaled himself on the thorns, and sent bloody petals to each of the angels, causing massive explosions and vaporizing some of them. At a cost only to himself, he wrenched his hands once more and destroyed the final angels. Then you saw Alana's memories begin to form and glow brightly around you as you watched her remember handing Kingsley to Volazar. You were expelled outward to the field you were in to see Alana, now with three black dots beneath her right eye, showing the symbol of Mistra. Alana wanted to move right away to head to Shar's Amethyst Dominion to kill her. She told you that Shar was using Volazar as an avatar to do her bidding and that she constantly shrouded him in darkness to regenerate instantly. 
that Shar would have to die before Volazar did. You spoke with Matthias, who urged you to come up with a plan, that you could not just go toe-to-toe -to -toe with a god. The best plan you could come up with was to sacrifice the souls that had been captured in Desiderius' gem, that it may work in your favor as a concentrated form of energy. You rested a brief time before Alana brought you all to Shar's Amethyst Dominion. You saw large amethyst crystals that brought darkness into the world, and it quickly descended upon all of you. Balls of energy with amethyst mist then appeared in the darkness. They led Sebastian to a woman playing a Get Stoke song, Xander to a weird creature crying at his reflection, and Jet to his home where his mother was healthy and happy. Blueberry, however, was not led anywhere. Instead, Char appeared before her, told her she was selfish for not accepting the power she had offered, and forced disastrous images into her mind before Alana's hand disrupted the image of Char, leaving Blueberry and Alana without the others, alone on the Amethyst Dominion, simply stating, your friends are weak, we are doing this without them. Now, Blueberry, you see ahead of you, Alana has turned around and started moving deeper into the Amethyst Dominion, she turns back and looks to watch if you follow. And so the scene is set. The question is... Blueberry, what will you do next? Where are they? Where are they? Not, not here. And we just lost our one edge on Char. Your large friend had the gem. Now it's just us against whatever she can throw at us. Okay, well, I don't think... I thought we were already kind of pushing it, being us against her with the gem and, like, f five of us, and if it's just you and me without a gem, I don't, I don't know if we can do that. They are weak, and you knew it, and now she has more ammunition against us. They're not weak. Then why aren't they here right now? They're following her. They'll get out of it. They've gotten out of it before. I don't see why you're defending them. They just left you after all you've been through. And for what? For power? They know what she's capable of. You don't know where they are. You don't know what she did. You don't know what they're doing. Then where do you think they are? Probably in some stupid vision or something. And they just need a minute to fight their way out. Do you want us to sit here a minute? See if they return? Kind of. The longer we wait, the longer Shar has to prepare for us. Do you think they'll get out in a minute? They did last time. How? I guess by attacking them. <laughs> but also, just on their own. Sounds like you were what broke them out of this. You might be strong, but your tactics are lacking. I'm actually very not strong and actually very wise. So it's kind of the other way around. We need to move. <sighs> Unless you have some way of finding them right now. Um, um, I... <sighs> No, not right now. Where, how do you even know where we're moving? It's just dark. As you look around, it was very dark and it has slowly started to release that darkness so you can start to see a little bit further. You're still on this outcropping of obsidian. There's a pathway leading to a large amethyst tower in the distance. There are still these pockets of this pitch black fog clouds that completely block any light not letting you see anything behind them. And then you see a couple of these other amethyst balls of energy floating about the Dominion. Do you think they're in there? Point to one of the dark patches. Because if we can find them, then we can pull them out. She looks at the fog. You have more experience with this than I do right now. Do you think it's right? I'm going to start running towards one. You get to the edge of this. It's like a cloud that even if you put your hand through it, your hand like completely disappears into darkness. It'd be hard to count them individually. There's definitely more than three. Uh, I mean, it's, it's not likely, but I'm just going to thorn whip into one and try to feel around for a friend. You start using thorn whip into the fog. You don't make contact with anything. And as you're moving it, you're surprised to see that the cloud doesn't move with the projection of the thorn whip. It's not like you're blowing away a cloud of mist or smoke. It's just darkness that is stagnant in this area. It doesn't feel like anything as you push it in. And then as you pull the thorn whip out, 
it looks like it has not been tampered with in any way. I still have one of the Sending Stones, right? You do. Who's the other one? Xander? I believe it's Xander. I'm going to try to call Xander in this in the stone. Xander? Xander, where are you? Blueberry, you guys just left. You have, What do you mean you don't have Xander? You hear Matthias on the other side. I lost, I lost the guys. I haven't even gotten back to Helios to do any research. I'm, I'm, I'll try to give you information when I can, but you need to find them. Yeah, I'm working on it. Yelling in the stone and in person. Xander! Jet, Sebastian! I don't think that's going to help right now. I just feel like they would help more than the extra time of us running straight in there alone. I'm going to try to run from one side of this patch of fog to the other while, like, though I'm ripping around in a circle. Again, not making collision with anything. There's no trees or anything here. It's mostly just flat. You do see a couple of these misty balls of energy moving around you, but as you get closer to them, you see that they move away from you. Like, they're trying to not get too close to you. You don't feel any of those connections there. This is pointless. It was worth a try. Sure. The only thing I can think to do is if we can find Char and we can distract her enough, maybe that allows them to get out of whatever their predicament is. Because we need that gem. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that works. If last time I broke them out by tackling them, this time maybe I can break them out by tackling her. I don't know if you'll be able to get close enough to her to do that, but... Metaphorically! We've spent enough time. Let's go. Okay! argue a bit as you move through the Amethyst Dominion. You see as Alana starts heading further, she has her head on a swivel looking towards these different areas, heading towards the large Amethyst Spire in the distance. You can see that even like you were doing, she shoots out a few sparks of fire into the dark clouds of fog, and they just disappear instantly. Moving steadily forward, you're able to make it up a large staircase to a large opening in this spire. It's a tower, though it's made entirely of one amethyst gem. The obsidian flooring continues inside, and from here you can see large ornate mirrors standing haphazardly through this room. Doesn't look like there's any order to them. They don't create a maze. They're just spread a few feet apart here. Sometimes inches apart here, sometimes they're touching, but most of them stand alone in this room. You see a couple dozen right now, but it looks like they're pretty deep and packed. It's a weird fun house. Nothing here is going to be fun. Haha. <laughs> Very funny. Are these mirrors dangerous? One way to find out. I'm going to thorn whip one. Are you trying to break it or are you just trying to touch it? Yeah, I want to break it. With a thorn whip, these are stationary objects, nice and easy to hit. You get within range, however much that is thorn whip at one of these mirrors and it shatters and falls to the ground. And one thing you see is as you shatter it, there is no backing to these mirrors. You shattered this mirror and now you could walk through its frame if you needed to. She's pretty vain, huh? Well, looks safe enough. Yeah. I'm still gonna avoid like making eye contact with myself or anything in a mirror, which is difficult. You walk into this room following Alana, and you feel the air is dead still. It's a bit dry, no more of the bits of mist that are from outside. It feels cold and open. You can again see these massive mirrors set up in this room. They're all ornate, but the frames are made of different precious metals and have different gems in them and different ornamentation and designs. Sometimes they're five foot wide, 10 foot tall. They're pretty large. You can see that there are enough of them to block your view of what's in the rest of this room. And as you're walking through the mirrors, you see each of the mirrors reflects you and Alana as you walk through. You see Alana ignites a flame in her hand, illuminating the darkness as she's moving cautiously again. Her head is on a swivel. I'm going to cast Guidance on myself. As you're walking, you're looking at a few of these mirrors. Again, you're trying to avoid eye contact. You see your form in a mirror, but as you see it, the background is different. You see bright green grassland on the ground. 
Could I tell from what world? You would probably have to get a bit closer to inspect it, but you could do so without looking at your own eyes in the mirror. Okay, go over there. You get closer and closer to the mirror and expect it. This bright green field behind you, and these large trees in the background, you see a breeze shake the tree branches in the background, and in the mirror, you see your own hair move with the breeze, but it does not move on your own head, like the blueberry in the mirror is experiencing the world around her. With that, I'm going to ask you to roll me nature and see if you can figure out where this is from. <gasps> nature plus 1d4. 24! This is from Earth. This is a blueberry on Earth looking currently as you do. Whoa. Just like in some big grasslands field? You know, it's probably a Pacific Northwest climate. Probably during the summer. It looks bright. Do you see anything weird in these mirrors? What do you see in this mirror, Lana? Looks over at you and her eyes go wide. Why is that background different? I don't know. What do you see? You? Grass? Trees? You don't see yourself? She walks over and then you do not see her in the mirror. Are you a vampire? No, and she points to the mirror right next to it where you can see her reflection. Oh, okay. But as your eyes land back on this mirror, you see a puff of black smoke. You see Char behind the blueberry in the mirror. Every decision made could have been made a different way. What could have been? Every time you decided when to get out of bed, left instead of right, up instead of down. What could have been? You change the reality around you with every choice you make. But what of her? She points to this blueberry. This reality. And she looks around inside the mirror. She is the one saving your planet with my power. Does she exist? I don't know. I don't know if this is imagination or if there's a multiverse. She smiles. For most people, most decisions, no. These other realities aren't real. Even this one, just another mirror in my hall. But with my power, I can bring these realities to life. The problem with exchanging part of one reality for another is there's another version of you. Two of you. One of which must exterminate the other. Yeah, that sounds problematic. You see, in the mirror, the version of you has been following your every mood, changes to their own demeanor, and you can see their own eyes get these dark pupils and their irises look purple. But I told you already, I don't need you. And this version of you, of your world, will never exist. As Char moves closer to the mirror from the inside, and from the inside of the mirror, touches the mirror, squeezes, and it shatters in front of you, and shards fall to the ground. Okay, cool! Gonna yell. She's just trying to make you regret not bowing to her. I know, it's so transparent. Do you regret it? No, she's being manipulative. Good, that means you're not an idiot. Yeah. There's nothing you will regret more than if you follow her. I agree. In fact, Char will be the one regretting it more than you ever will, especially when my fist is around her throat. Yeah, tell her. You see, she puts a hand on your shoulder. Okay. Great. Uh, has she has she come to you with like these offers of like alternate reality? Like what did she offer you? I was not offered a choice. I was simply taken over through my mind. She hasn't spoken to me since. Huh. Volazaris who got to me, implanting Sarla into my brain. Other than that, I'm here to rectify the situation. Okay. Weird, but all right. Keep moving, I guess. Continuing through this area, you see, again, most of the reflections look completely natural, just reflecting the scene around them, other mirrors, Alana as she walks by, you, until you see in one of the mirrors is Char, just looking at you. Like in place as if she were me, or am I in there? 
Char's in between you and the reflection. Mm. Hey! You hear that echo, and after a few moments, you see she just raises her hand and starts to point in a direction. I look the other direction. <laughs> What's over there? She's pointing north, and as you look south, you see more of her appear in these other mirrors, and they all point towards that same direction. You see her pointing too? Yes. She wants us to know she's watching. And you think it's best to just go where she wants us to go? Best? No. Do I think there's other options? No. What, wouldn't, that, wouldn't that, by definition, make it the best option if it's the only option? <sighs> also the worst option, but still. Do we really want to do semantics while she's watching us? Okay, fine, let's go! Walking in the direction. You move through the rest of this room, all the while being pointed along by Char. Her eyes dark, her mouth smiling as your footsteps echo along the subsidian flooring, breaking the silence of this room. You reach the wall she was pointing to and see a large reflective surface. Its shape resembles that of a door, though it looks to be placed on a flat wall, no hinges or openings or anything. It's not quite a mirror. It's more like dark glass that reflects most of what you see behind you back at it. Okay. can see Alana inspecting it up and down. I'm going to poke it with a thorn whip gently. When you touch it with the thorn whip, you feel more of like a magnetic repulsion rather than a solid wall. Oh. And with the force of your thorn whip, you feel it push back and then your thorn whip just goes completely through this barrier. Okay. Shall we? Is this one of those visions you were talking about? Is it a vision? What do you mean? If she's leading us somewhere and there's a bunch of dark fog on the other side, it seems like a vision. You're the expert. Maybe. I don't typically walk into a vision, but could be, so brace yourself. Keep your guard up. Alana's the first one. Her hand touches this mirrory surface, and it goes right through it to the other side. You can see she ignites her hand in a soft flame on the other side of this mirror. You can't feel the flame, even though it's just a foot away from you, like this barrier is stopping it. She looks at you, nods a little bit before the rest of her body pushes through this surface and you can see her now on the other side. Ah, so I can see through it. You can see through it, but it's also reflecting. It's almost like very dark, opaque glass. Gonna go in. You push through the mirror. It's cold to the touch, even though there's nothing solid pushing back at you. And again, you feel that invisible force, something magnetic repulsing you a little bit. You have to push through the barrier with a bit of force before you feel the cold along the rest of your arm and then the rest of your body. You enter and feel the chill around you. Again, there's no wind, but it's dark and it's hard to see further than a few yards ahead of you, but you do see the illumination of fire from Alana and you can feel that bit of warmth coming from her hand. Stay close. Alana walks through the darkness, and as you walk, it gets colder the further you walk from the mirror you entered in from, until the darkness starts to let up a bit. You see the ground is no longer dark black obsidian, but looks a crisp bluish. You slide a bit as the ground turns to ice while you walk, and the darkness around you begins to let up into ice blue cavern walls. The walls start to form an icy hallway, and you can see Alana starts shaking her head in anger. She stops in her tracks, and her hand grows a bit more. Really? This is where you wanted to bring us? Do you not do well with cold? She walks a few more steps, doesn't really go back at your retort, illuminates a dead corpse in the wall of ice leading to another large cavern. It's Travis's body. And this area now resembles the area underneath the Magistrate Barracks at the Evergem, where you all saw the remnants of Travis and Kianopa. Alana moves right past Travis to examine the icy battlefield where she slayed Kianopa. And as you walk, you see the trails of magic, these exploded pieces of ice and earth, the magical barrier that was still standing after all those years, and Kianopa's headless body 
still encased up to the waist in obsidian. Yikes. And it's just how you remember it, and it looks like it's just how Alana remembers it. She looks about, and you can see her hair start to stand up. You think I have regret here? You think I regret doing this? No! Because I didn't have a choice. This wasn't me! And then there's a flash of darkness. It makes it impossible to see for half a second, save for Alana's illuminated hand. And as light returns, you see Char now standing on the edge of this large platform that moves downward into the location where Alana and Kianopa split, this area where Alana had killed Mistra. You say you didn't have a choice, but didn't you? Shard looks to Alana and there's another flash of darkness, but this time when the darkness lights up, you have moved. You're now at the bottom of the cavern. You and Alana, you're looking on as a memory is played. Mistra splitting Alana in two, you've seen it before. Alana getting angry, killing Mistra. Alana yelling at Kianopa, all hot-headed, impulsive. Kianopa begging Alana to stay, that she can't do this alone. Alana slapping her and opening a portal and entering it. Isn't this the choice you regret? Shar appears, sitting on top of Mistra's lifeless head, using it as a seat for her to look down upon you too. This is where it all went wrong, didn't it? One more flash of darkness, this time restarting the scene. Alana gets split, kills Mistra. Alana yells at Kianopa, and Kianopa says you can't do this alone. Alana, the same way, swings around to slap her, but stops herself. She breathes twice, in and out, ignites three fingers, and burns the symbol of Mistra into Kianopa's face with a grimace from her other half. The darkness continues to flash between different scenes, scenes of things that never happened. Alana and Kianopa together, planning an attack on Volazar, training an army. They find Veldrin and Marith still alive, recruit them. They try to bring down Volazar, but Shar's darkness protects him. They lose Veldrin in their first assault. There's a flash of Alana and Kianopa slaying Shar inside her dominion. Another flash where Alana kills Volazar. What could have been? And we are going to move to the others. <laughs> Xander, that white flash you saw goes away. It only lasted an instant. As ahead of you, you see this weird being jumps a bit. The flash scares it. You see it jumps into the nearby bushes and rushes away with these little pants and cries. As you look down, you see your camera is in your hands and you just finished taking a picture of this being. From out of the bushes where you heard the whisper, you see a woman jump out of the tree line. Ah, dang it. Did you get the shot? She looks over at you, Xander, and you see Selena. She looks a little bit older than the last time you saw her. She looks just like she did in your college years together, just before she left. It looks like she's been traveling through the forest for a few days. What does she look like in this moment? She's got kind of like olive skin, dark brown hair. It's all straight, but has that little bit of like poof at the top. Right now, it's most likely up in a ponytail. She doesn't like getting the hair dirty. She's got green eyes, a nose that's like to some maybe a little big. I always pictured her wearing the quote-unquote girly colors, like a lot of like pastels and pinks and blues. So I, she's wearing a pink jacket over a similarly pink but slightly different shaped camisole, jeans, chucks. That's her. You see her jump out of the bushes. You see she cups her hands in front of her mouth and blows on them to kind of warm them up before she starts moving closer to you. Alex, come on, did you get it? She comes to your side and snatches your camera from you. She pulls at it a bit, even though it's still around your neck, forcing you a bit closer to her, and you can see her flipping through the most recent pictures. You watch from over her shoulder as she scrolls through photo after photo. 
There's a selfie of you and her in a car together. Early in the morning, both have tired eyes. A photo of her feet up on the dashboard with these rolling hills in the background. A picture off of a scenic overpass where she's dangling her feet off of a fence. A picture of you she snuck as you were getting the tents out of the back of the car. Your shirt was riding up a bit and just the top of your butt can be seen. You can practically hear her giggles. A badly lit picture of the two of you around a fire with bottles of something and a tent in the background. Another picture of you making coffee over the fire. Some random pictures of wildlife, some butterflies, deer, a sleeping owl. Then there's just more and more of you two as you move through the ups and downs of this forest. You see each other smiling, laughing. And finally, a dark picture, which looks to be just like this area. A little pond, a small being looking into it, though it's quite blurry. Maybe it looks more like a platypus or beaver in the darkness of this picture. It's just out of focus to really be able to see the creature. Dang, come on, we have to follow it. We can still get the picture. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, it went, it went that way. Point towards where I saw it run off. Come on, we didn't come all this way for nothing. This is our last night out here. Lead the way. She starts moving through the trees and leading you in the direction that the creature went that you pointed her to. And as you are walking, she's looking down, looking for tracks. She doesn't really know what she's doing. You have to help her every once in a while. I can't believe we got so close to it. It was right there. What do you think it is? Uh, from what I know, it looked like a squonk. I mean, it was crying and it was looking at its own reflection. That's classic squonk right there. That's so cool. If we can get a picture of this, we'll be famous. No one has ever gotten a picture before, right? Not a straight on shot. I've only ever seen like artistic renditions. Or blurry beavers. Whoa. <laughs> There's plenty of pictures of that online, I'm sure. <laughs> you know what I mean. Where could it possibly be going? Uh, I mean, it's... The story of the squonk is that it starts crying because it sees its own reflection, and it's so ugly that it can't help but cry, so it's probably just trying to get away from anything that can see it or anywhere it could see itself. I think if we follow the trail of tears that it leaves, that, that's how we get it. We should, you know, do the thing. And she pulls out a cell phone. She starts recording herself. She makes a big deal out of it. Oh my God, guys, I think we found it. We're on the way. We'll keep you updated as we go. Puts the phone down. Listen, I know you don't like the social media, but like, this is what people want. We get to make money doing something we both enjoy together. I, I can deal with it. Like, it's no big thing. Even if we don't find anything, people like just being along for the journey. They like our goofs. Yeah, for sure. I think I heard something over there. Okay. Just trying to get away from that subject. She starts rummaging over, looking around. I don't see anything. Hey, do you have any, like, do you have any snacks? Maybe we can lure it out. On me? Do you have any donuts? Why would I have donuts? We've been in the woods for days. I might have some. And I'll, like, reach for my bag. You reach for your bag, and you immediately notice it's more of a hiking bag. You open it up. It's got a tent rolled up on the back. You see some random things of beef jerky. Oh. What? No, no nothing. I, I, uh, I must have forgot something. Um, maybe, maybe it likes jerky. I don't know. It's pig-like. They like stuff. Okay. I mean, we're also out here looking for the Jersey Devil. Maybe that likes jerky. It rhymes. Ooh, that might be a good video. I'm just thinking of sponsorship opportunities, you know? Like, the jerky devil. Like, it, you know. Yeah, I mean, all you, uh, it's all you think about, like, the money and the social media. Like, no. I'm, I'm here for you. You just, you know, ever since your dad and everything, like, we just don't have the money we need. So, like, we got to make it other ways. And this way, we get to do the fun stuff together. It's just a little bit of burden on the way. Oh, right, right. Uh, I I mean, I'm like so close to hitting it big in Hollywood too, though, right? Like, you know, I'm, I'm going to get the, the film stuff going. We'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, 
Through the Realms of Miri comes out in like less than a month. I can't wait for people to see it. I can't wait to see it. You promised to take me to the premiere, remember? Yeah, for sure. We'll, we're going to be there. Heck, uh, we could probably get into an early showing. That'd be awesome. You hear loud owl hooting nearby, and you can see her eyes dart to it wide. The forest is so much scarier than the desert at night. When we were in the Mojave, you could still see so far in every direction. But it's kind of getting cold and late. We should get back to the cabin. That's probably a good idea. We got a shot. It might look like a blurry beaver, but like, it's something, right? Like, let's let's get back to the cabin. Pulls up her jacket and starts heading in the direction of the cabin. What the fuck is going on, man? You spend a decent amount of time making your way out of the forest. You're chatting with Selena every once in a while. She brings up how close you were to getting to snap the picture and that she can't believe whatever that was was real, that she's so excited for your next adventure. You can see she's very chatty in this moment. It might be the nerves of being out in the forest, but she seems happy. You finally get to your cabin where she instantly sits down to rest her feet. I'm sorry I keep talking about getting that picture. It just could have been big for us. I just keep thinking about what could have been. As you hear her say that, there is a bit of a chill down your spine. You're going to take off your hiking boots. You look over and see Selena is no longer there. And you are no longer in the cabin. You are in your old college apartment. And you recognize this day. The stillness of everything, the quiet as you walked in, the trash bag sitting out by the front door you forgot to take out that morning, and the note that Selena left sitting on the kitchen table. What did Xander do that day? Not a lot that was uh, productive. When he got the note, he kind of just sat at the bed for who knows how long. After a while, he moved to the living room and just sat there. I think he thought he was watching TV, but it was just like silent until roommates came home. When his roommates got home, they asked him to go get some drinks and he went. Probably didn't say a word the whole night, but he kept drinking. By the time he got back, it was just so, it felt so final and it felt like the most painful sever that he'd dealt with. He kept going day after day, tried to play it off like it was nothing, like it's what he wanted. But you know, there was always that silent pain you're standing here in the doorway of this apartment, all of this flashes before your mind, remembering all of it, yet this day has started over again, that you just walked in. What are you doing now, Sander? I would try and go outside, even though it would feel like futile to do so. He'd be looking for, for Selena or any trace of like where she could have gone. You head outside. It's quite a rainy day. As you're walking about, there's no one else around. It's not common for where you live. But in the middle of the street, there's a puddle. You see that beast that you saw in the forest looking at its own reflection. I like to slowly walk over to it and just look at my reflection next to it if it stays. You see it stays hear those little whimpers, those cries as you walk over, and as you see your reflection, you see yourself looking different. As you move, the reflection doesn't move with you. The reflection has a slight smirk on their face. The eyes have wide pupils with a thin purple iris. Looking down behind this reflection of you is not the sky, it's the cabin where you see Selena walk by with a cup of hot tea. Your eyes, however, cannot leave the reflection. And as you're looking at a different version of yourself, the area behind the reflection goes dark, as does the area around you, the beast next to you, until it is just you, your reflection, and the puddle. As we move to Jet, Jet, you saw this flash of light as the fridge opened in your old home. 
Now you see that light dissipate, and you see you are outside of your childhood home, keys in hand as you just close the door to your Tesla. You see the headlights illuminating the front door as it opens, and you see your mother in the doorway. Do you need help bringing in the groceries? No, I got it. Just go back to bed. You're, you're fine. You hear some barking from Pebbles inside. Pebbles, I told you to stay away from the garden. And a girl. You do see in the back seat of your Tesla are a few brown paper bags full of groceries. Uh, enough for me to make them one trip? I'm, no, you know what? Screw it. I'm making it one trip. It's like a little awkward just getting them up into your hands, able to walk it up, kick the door open with your foot. Please tell me you got fresh lemons. And were you able to find the capers? Capers? Check. Lemons? Lemons. Fresh lemons. It's your uncle's birthday. He loves chicken piccata. Please tell me you were able to find the lemons. I'll reach in the bag and hopefully pull out fresh lemons. As best as Jet thinks they're fresh, they're at least fresh. No obvious brown spots or anything. <sighs> This is his favorite dish, and this is... He knows I hate making it, but this is the only time he gets it. If it makes him happy, I mean, yeah, it's a pain in the butt, but it's worth seeing the smile. Mello, I have to get these chicken breasts started. One of the pictures in the hallway fell down. Can you rehang it? Use a level this time? All right, all right, yeah. Where is it? Just in the hallway. I left it right on the floor. Okay. Grab the level grab anything you would need to hang this picture and you go over and you see the picture on the ground. Picking up the picture first to see which one it is. It is a picture of you and your mother on your graduation day. I'll put it up back into its spot on the wall. After I put it up, just kind of eye level it, see if it is actually leveled or not. It looks pretty off. All right, fine. I'll put the stinking level on it and level it out. Take a moment, level it out. You step back and you take a look at this collage of pictures on the wall. And as you're looking, Jet, you realize that no holes in the walls, no Roger in any of these pictures. Hey, hey, mom. Yeah, um, just give me a second, okay? Did, did you change these pictures by chance? And who fixed the wall? You're fixing the wall. What about dad? You hear a clang of something metal in the kitchen. And you see she walks out of the kitchen to look at you in the hallway. Where's your dad? Who knows? You know I haven't seen him since before you were born. What do you mean? Are, are you okay? This is not like you to ask about him. I thought you didn't ever think about him. I mean, we both know I try not to, but that's not right, Mom. I've told you this before, Mello. You're better off without him. We both are. You hear the fire alarm start to go off as she turns around and you can see a little bit of smoke coming from the kitchen. She rushes over. You can hear her turn on the vent over the stove. Oh, damn it. I'd like to take a, a better look at the pictures to see if like there was supposed to be somebody else in those pictures, but they're like edited out or something. Give me investigation. 19 definitely not edited out. In fact, most of these pictures you do recognize, or they're very similar to ones you do recognize. Others you don't recognize at all. You don't remember ever going to the Eiffel Tower, especially not as a kid and especially not with your mom, yet there you are. Does anything else look different in the house? I'll go to my mom's room. It looks a lot different. It's a little bit brighter. There's a lot of pillows on the bed. There's a lot of different paintings above the bed. You see that each one has a little signature of yours in the corner. They look like children's paintings with that little boulder signature. What is going on in here? I'll go to my room now. You open the room. What would have been Jet's dream childhood room? A room with toys. And it very much is that. There is a bookshelf here. The top shelf has some books on it, but most of the shelves are just different action figures, some half-completed Lego sets. There's an old toy chest here. 
What the hell is this? Mom, where did this stuff come from? I don't know what you mean. Can you come out here? Yeah, yeah, one second. Uh, let me let me just clean this up quick. I'm just gonna shut the door to the room and, and take a better look, see if there's anything that looks familiar to what my actual room looked like. Did Jet like anything in his actual bedroom? Biggest thing that he liked was probably the picture that, who found it, Sebastian found on the ground? Where would he have kept that? On his dresser, bright in plain sight. You find that. Intact. What's the picture look like? It's a picture of Jet currently, like how he looks now, with somebody else. They're just at an amusement park together. Picture of you and him, smiling, happy. You hear a cell phone start to buzz from the kitchen. I'll leave the picture, put it back where it was, and just hurriedly go to the kitchen and see if uh, mom needs help with anything while I check for the phone. You get to the kitchen, you can see that your mom has moved the pan off of the hot burner. Looks like she has had to trash one or two of these chicken breasts and has started again. You can see that she has rushed over to the phone and opened it up. Yes, hello. Yes, this is Charlotte. Wonderful. My son will be right over to pick it up. Bye-bye now. Mello, that was the bakery. The cake is ready. Can you please pick it up and hurry? Can you take Pebbles with you? I don't want to have to worry about her while I'm cooking. Yeah, yeah, I could do that, but what what happened to my room? Where did all that stuff come from? And, uh... Mello, I, I'm stressed out right now. You can see she's already over by the stove cooking, stirring the pasta while like trying to season the chicken. Just please get it before he gets here. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. Uh, where, where's Pebbles? Out back. Okay. All right. Uh, let me go get her quick. As I'm leaving the kitchen, when she gets back to cooking, I'd like to take a better look at her and see how does she look? Does she look sick? She's moving around on two feet like it's nothing. She's dancing around the kitchen as she's moving frantically about. You can see her hair is nice and blonde. She has less wrinkles than you remember. She looks completely healthy. This isn't right. This isn't right at all. Pe Pebbles, come here, girl. Head outside. Pebbles, you can see, is jumping up at the glass door, scratching on it to come in and see you. Okay, okay. All right, all right. Come here, come here, come here. Up. Open the door and pick her up. You grab her, start moving through the house towards the front door. And you remember when you first got here, you saw your mom was watching a TV show, a late night talk show. Now, as you're watching, as you're moving towards the front door, you notice that Blueberry is on the TV. She's all dressed up. They're laughing. You can see that she's talking about the soon to be released movie through the realms of Miria. Um, that's new. When, when was the movie supposed to come out? Hey, hey, mom. Sorry to bug you again. Quickly, you have to get going. I've, I've got the princess. It's okay. I'm heading out the door. Um, do you remember when, when is my movie supposed to come out? Isn't it just three weeks? December 12th? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Forgot. Um, thank you. Okay. Where do I have to go again? Bakery? Yeah. You know the one. Got it. All right. I'll be back. Jet, you jump into your car, strap pebbles into her little castle in the passenger seat. You start heading for a nearby bakery. You've been there plenty of times before, as it is your mom's favorite. You begin to drive, and it feels a little weird since you haven't driven in a few months, but it comes back to you pretty quickly. And your drive is just so mundane. You pass by places you've seen a thousand times, a local mural of Muhammad Ali painted on the side of an old rundown barber shop that's just packed with people. Your favorite pizza place that your mom now refuses to go to because she swears up and down she got food poisoning from their pepperoni, even though you ate it too and you were just fine. There are red lights. There's traffic. You pass by countless cars filled with different types of people all going about their evenings. Someone cuts you off in traffic, even when you had the right of way. It's just mundane. You get stuck at what you know is the worst light that just takes forever to turn green. 
And as you're sitting there, waiting for the light to change, watching cars go by, watching a family leaving a local Italian place with their takeout containers. What did I just walk into? How is everything so different at home? By the time you're looking forward again, you can see the light turns green. Continue to the bakery, you're able to enter, get the cake, and you head back to your mom's house. You open the door with pebbles and smell the chicken cooking and bring the cake into the kitchen and place it on the table. Your mom is at the stove and it smells amazing. And it's just so serene. Oh, please, please tell me they spelled his name right. Did you check it? Oh, shit, I forgot. I'm sorry. Um, Let me see, open it up. You open the top of the box the cake is in and you see written in icing what could have been as the front door slams open. You turn quickly to see it is your dad and the whole house changes. You look into the kitchen. Your mom's not there. No chicken, no pebbles scratching at the back door to go outside. You see he's wearing the same suit he was wearing the day he walked out of the hospital. He's visibly angry. He storms into his room and you can hear him shouting to himself. A few minutes later, you see him emerge with a suitcase filled with his clothing. He comes into the kitchen and walks to the table and starts writing a note. You see he gets angry at himself and instead crunches the paper up and throws it on the ground in disgust. He takes a deep breath, grabs the suitcase, and heads out the front door, slamming it behind him. What did Jet do when he first came home to realize his dad was gone? First, he scrambled through the entire house, just looking for him, screaming for him after the way that he left the hospital, searched his room. That's when he saw that clothing and other belongings of his was gone. And then he searched the house more, found the note on the ground as well. What are you doing now as you watched it happen in real time? standing in disbelief that what I imagined happened actually happened. It's silent. You breathe. You look over to the stove. Cold. Empty. You hear a bark from the back door. No. No. It can't. It can't be real. I won't accept it's real. Another. God damn it. Fine. Fine, we'll play your game. And I'll go in the direction of the bark, see what's what's gonna come. You move over to the back door, you look through the glass, and you do not see pebbles waiting on the other side. Instead, you see a reflection of your apartment. Behind this reflection of you, you see your mom setting the table. The cake sitting open with candles ready to be lit. And you with dark, wide pupils and thin purple irises. As the darkness encompasses the area around you, the empty house behind you with the walls riddled with holes and the filled house behind your reflection until it's just the two of you and the door. As we move to Sebastian. Sebastian, the spark from the boombox fades as this woman, again, you don't recognize her, walks towards you with open arms. Uh, hello. Nice to meet you. She looks right past you. Oh. As she walks directly through you. Okay. Just kidding then. You turn around and see her hugging a man coming into this dorm room. Another person you don't recognize. His hair is brown and long, and he's wearing a Get Stoked shirt. They share a hug and a kiss in this room as the man goes over to turn the music back on again. You can see them smile and dance alone in this room to your music until they share an embrace. There's this big spin, and as they do so, you see them in an instant age a few years. The man's hair is shorter now and stylishly held back, now wearing a full tuxedo. The woman's hair now beautifully up and she's donning a bright wedding dress. They share a dip on the dance floor 
as you see all around you a tent filled with dozens of people watching these two dance to your song. A woman seated next to you leans over. This is so adorable, isn't it? And dancing to the band they saw when they met? I've got tears in my eyes. Um, sure. Wait, met? Who, who were they? You don't know the wedding couple. As you look back, you're watching the dance a few moments. There's a couple of poorly rehearsed dance moves throughout, though they laugh and smile the entire time. Towards the end of the song, you see the woman's ankle twists, and there's some ooze from the crowd. But the man helps take her over to a nearby chair and helps her to sit down. And as soon as she hits the chair, you see the woman change again. Now hair up in a ponytail, obviously exhausted, older still. The man helping put her down into a rocking chair. You see her stomach protrudes out in a large sphere. Her hand lays atop her own belly as the man sits down on this living room floor and continues building a wooden cradle. He grabs the instructions, flips the pages over and over again before looking at her and tearing them up like confetti and throwing them in the air. And as the confetti pieces fall, you see they turn to tissue paper. The man is even older now, hair cut much shorter and starting to get patches of gray. He wears a Christmas sweater and just finished opening a present. He holds up a sweater with a picture of him and his son on the front. The son, maybe five years old now, claps and cheers. The mother, pregnant once more, bends down to hand over a present to this son. He opens it up and it's a new basketball. His eyes open wide as his dad points to the window where the child runs over to see a brand new basketball hoop waiting for him in the driveway. The child grabs the dad's hand and pulls him outside. You see the woman head over to the window as well. She leans against the windowsill to watch them outside. And as she leans, you see her change once more. This time, younger. Even before you saw her in the college dorm. Her hair dyed a bright red, leaning over against the front wall in a concert full of people. It's in between sets right now. House lights are on so the crowd can see each other a bit. And you see the man right next to the woman. Him too, much younger. Wearing the same Get Stoked shirt. You see that she points to it. And then you see them converse and begin to laugh. You watch them chat for some time before you see he pulls out his phone and hands it to her. She smiles and types something in it. This is when you find yourself walking onto the stage as the crowd erupts in applause. The woman and the man cheer and jump in the front row as you start to play. Throughout the song, your eyes don't leave them. You see them enjoying themselves, jumping around, till your eyes glance to the other people in the crowd. There's a father with his son on his shoulders who is singing along to your song. A group of people all dressed in black and white striped shirts like the one you're wearing right now, all jumping about singing in a circle together. You see two people wearing big costumes. One is Gumby, the other is a banana. They're just jumping back and forth together. As you play, what does Sebastian look like in this moment? What's his stage presence like? It depends how far into the set he is. When Sebastian first takes the stage, it's a little calmer, a little more nervous as he tries to shake the, the stage fright and just get into the zone. But once you hit that halfway point, he is frantic. He is flailing. He is screaming at the top of his lungs and having the time of his life. It's probably at the peak where Sebastian is at his finest. There's a lot of energy on stage. You can feel the energy from the crowd and you play the next song. And this is the song you remember these two were dancing to at their wedding. You get to the last four words of the first chorus. What could have been? And that's when your brain falters and it can't remember the next line. You stop playing Daisy. The other members of the band stop playing. There's a loud bang. You look over and one of your speakers has caught fire. You look back to the crowd, Gumby and the banana fist fighting. The group of people in the circle are now screaming at each other and have angry faces on. 
The father tries to console his crying child, and you look back to the man who looks confused as he looks into the crowd with the woman nowhere to be seen. Throw the mic down. Dave, we need to we need to put this out. What is going on? I'm gonna rush over to where Dave, the guitarist, would be. He is trying to get any sound to come from his guitar at all. Just put down the guitar! And I take my jacket off and I'm gonna try to like smack the flames coming out of the amp. Some security from the venue rushes over with a fire extinguisher and just pulls you off to the side. As Dave rushes over, grabs you, tries to get you away from the crowd and looking the other direction. And you find yourself looking at a large screen that was playing visualizers for your songs. They've all stopped and now are just completely black. In the reflection, you see the crowd jumping up and down in tandem, rocking to the band still, as the Sebastian in the reflection turns around and comes to face you, to join as your reflection. And you too see the dark black eyes with a thin purple iris looking back at you. The darkness comes around as you stare at this reflection of yourself in a black void with nothing but you and it as we move back to Blueberry. Blueberry, you see a flash of darkness that lasts longer than the last few. Until you are back where Alana made the decision to slap Kinopa and leave. Char says, Instead, we have this reality. You see the rest of the slap play out. Alana leaves. You see Alana coming back to kill Travis and Kinopa. Alana finding Zen in Helios and bringing him to Volazar. You all bringing Alana to the field. Her bringing you here to Shar's dominion. You and her walking through a large, ornate, mirrored door brandished in amethyst gems. A long flash of darkness. Before you see Volazar. He's standing in a large, open room filled with six different doorways. He looks at each of them activates a spell and each of the doorways sparks into a portal he turns around to face a dark corner of this room it's time as you watch you start to hear jingling of metal and large footsteps from the darkness you see jet atop pebbles holding her saddle like reins great sword in hand sebastian twirling both of the drumsticks in his hands as Daisy magically floats behind him. Xander in his werebat form, punching one hand into the other, Nomura on his shoulders. They each walk out of the darkness with wide black pupils and purple irises. Time to cleanse Fendrea. There's another flash of darkness. As it lifts, you see you and Alana in a massive open dark space. The large ornate mirrored door with the amethyst gems in front of you both. It's just catching up to us. <laughs> She's saying that's going to happen. Okay. We have to do something. How do we distract her? How do we get, how do we get them out? We need to find your friend and, and get the gem. We need to do this, but we need to stop her here and now or that's going to happen. Yeah. Hey, bitch! Where are you? You see from this mirrored door in front of you, a bright purple light illuminates as you say that. Are we going in? Yep, I'm running in. Entering the door, you see a large throne room. It's dark in color. It's not ornate. It's not regal. It's here to serve a purpose. Shar sits atop a throne at the far end of the room. She's currently being encircled by a large purple cloud of fog. It encapsulates her like a sphere of protection. You see these three wispy tendrils of darkness that are feeding this sphere. Each of these tendrils comes from a large mirror placed in the throne room, similar to the ones you saw previously. Three of them. Each one, you see two versions of your friends, both facing each other. Xander staring at Xander, Jet at Jet, Sebastian at Sebastian. Char looks up at you and Alana as you enter, waves her hand, and the door behind you closes. 
And for today, that's a wrap. Okay, great. Oh. Ooh, it's gonna be a lonely outro with just you and I. <laughs> as well as a little bit of a lonely uh, BTS next week when we do behind the scenes. Oh, yeah. Because that's just gonna be me and the boys because we're just gonna discuss what happened with them in their episode. But to get access to that, all of you listeners can head over to patreon.com slash cast party. Any and all support helps us, including if you hop onto the free tier. That's right, absolutely free. You get access to our community Discord, the latest and greatest cast party news. And if you decide to spend a little cash, you get access to so, so much more. Thank you again all for your support. And we'll see you in two weeks as we experience what's going on in Char's throne room. Anna, I guess we got to make up for everyone else not being here with the bye. Okay. <gasps> bye bye! That was aggressive. <laughs> All right, boys, get ready for the boys episode. This is the one where boys we talk about only. the boobs. We the talk boys. about poops. And you know what poops is if you flip it upside down? Dude. Boobs. This oh. is the dude oh, episode. I thought it was Boobs. boobies. <laughs> I I think I think I'd wait. Someone correct us on that. <laughs> no, it's boobs. Maybe it is boobs. It's boobs. <laughs> it's boobs. No, it's de it's definitely dude. No, is but it? it can be it's boobs if you if, if you, you flip it if you flip it if you mirror it. Yeah. But yeah. if you if you so we're all dude. Yeah, yeah. if you just flip it upside down, it's dude. I'm I'm thinking dude. it's dude's boobs. Well, anyway. Hello everyone, it is your director here. The whole cast just got back from PAX Unplugged in Philadelphia, and we got to meet a ton ton of people there. Some of our guests we have not met in person yet, some of our side series players from Fables of Vendrea, as well as a ton ton of you all. So I just want to give an absolutely huge shout out to all of our supporters, all of you out there, including our Walk of Famers, of which we got to meet a few at PAX. So without further ado, a absolutely huge shout out to a new guy, Anne, Brenna, Dubward, Saint E. Love, Eric Five, Polyamorous Swirl, Forerunner, Frankie, Heather, Isuik, Jesky Fire, Jesse, Jin, Lady Lorax, Lexi, Minehack, Opti, Red Mafia Panda, Bass Drop, and Ebab Flow. Thank you all so much for your support, whether you're a Walk of Famer, a different tier of our Patreon, or just a listener who wants to share it with their friends. We cannot thank you enough for how much we have grown over the past three years, and we promise to continue bringing you awesome content, especially as we move into Season 2 of Cast Party. Bye-bye!